This is a podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. Okay, this morning we have our very final uh, miracle, miracle number 36. I'd like to say we've done them all, but we haven't. This is actually number 12, and it's the, the very last one, and it's the second miraculous catch of fish. And as we've looked through the miracles, we've, um, we've seen Jesus perform on earth in all sorts of different places. We've seen weddings, we've seen funerals, we've seen him perform them in graveyards, in synagogues, in homes, in a garden, on a mountain, by a pool, in a boat. They're getting very summery, aren't they? (laughs) And today is on the seashore. Jesus has met human need, and he's also shown that he is the very son of God, God in flesh. And this miracle is now after his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Interestingly, not listed as one of Jesus' miracles. If you remember right back at the very beginning, it is a miracle that isn't listed that Jesus conquered death. It's not a a listed miracle. Um, Yet, this is the final one. And here, in this moment, we get to see something that I think is worth Um, is worth attention from us as Christians as we go about our day to day. Jesus has revealed his risen self already to his disciples, but now he comes to see them, particularly in a position where they have reset to their default position. They've reset back to, this is who we are, this is what we know, this is where we are comfortable. Anybody got those places? For me, oddly, it's the smell of body filler. That sounds a bit odd, I know. But I remember right back when I first started my apprenticeship, which seems like a long time ago, and I'm not even in that industry anymore. But when I smell that smell, I'm back in a place that I know is familiar and I'm comfortable with it, yeah? That's the sort of thing we're talking about, the thing that you know. And if you were uh, maybe um, in an engineering shop or in a hospital or whatever those things are, there's that certain smell, that certain, it just conjures it up. You know, you're comfortable. Maybe it's a sight or a sound. And the disciples, I guess, they're together here, there's seven of them. And I would imagine that over this period of time, they've been overwhelmed. It's hard to even put yourself in the picture. You know, their master, their friend, somebody who they've done life with has been taken from them. But then from that, they've seen the risen Christ. I mean, how do you even compute that? How do you process that as a human being? I don't quite know. And it must have been a quite overwhelming few days. And Peter, as we know, is the leader among equals. And Peter, in this moment, he decides that he's going fishing. He goes back to what he knows. That familiar sight, that familiar sound, those textures, those things that he knows he's back where he feels comfortable. And the others go with him. We see that in verse 3 of the chapter um, of the 14 verses that Phoebe and Jack read for us. 
They fish all night and they catch nothing. That sounds like a day trip for me, actually. We, we go fishing. Some of us fish, some of us catch. I usually do the fishing, never do much catching. I try, very trying, I'm told. But uh, unfortunately, never catch very little, catch very little. But they've been here before. They have been here before. Seasoned, hardy fishermen, they know the score. Sometimes you catch, sometimes you don't. But from the shore, a man asks how they've got on. As a fisherman, how annoying must that be when the answer is terrible? Yeah? It's like when you, uh, maybe if you go, or you're in a race, or you, you, um, you play football or some kind of sport, and, and somebody says, oh, how did you get on? Yeah, you know, I was there. <laughs> I, I attended. We didn't win the football match, or I didn't win the race. Of course, I've never experienced such things, but I, I hear this is what it could be like, you know. <clears throat> no, nothing, right, okay, I see. But the man shouts and says, how have you got on? And empty nets, they reply. And Jesus then says this to them. He says on verse 6, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. He says, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. That's assurance, isn't it? How on earth does he know? Throw your nets on the other side and you will find some. Now, incredibly, the fishermen, again, they've been here before. They know the score. Suddenly, they remember, they think about it, and it doesn't take them long before they put the net on the other side. You wouldn't, would you? It wouldn't take you long. You've experienced it before, you see. It's not the first time this has happened. So therefore, there's got to be something in this. Now, whether it's Jesus or not, gents, let's throw it on the other side. And they do. And of course, what happens? They catch a huge haul of fish. We get a precise number, 153. Theologians and scholars have ummed and aahed over 153. If you can find something, come and tell me, because I'd love to know. But what happens in this moment then? John in verse 7, and I like it how John refers to himself as the one that Jesus loved. If I was writing, I'd... Yeah. John realises it's Jesus on the shore. Who else could do that? Who else could do that? He tells Peter, and Peter does what I hoped Peter would do, because we cannot forget what Peter has just done. Don't forget that Jesus said to Peter, you'll deny me three times. And Peter says, not a chance. And Jesus says, you will deny me three times before the cock crows. You will have denied me three times. And Peter has that moment. Not once, not twice. But as Jesus said, three times. And we've talked about the fire before the Anthracian. If you look in the, in the Greek, John 18 and verse 18, you'll see the same word. It's only used twice in the whole of the New Testament. The first time is when Peter is sat around the fire and he denies Jesus. And the second time it's used is in this moment. Where Peter has realized, as John has said, that's the Lord. What else could he do? He throws his cloak on, ready to meet his saviour. He jumps in the water. They're only some hundred metres or a hundred yards, depending on uh, what, uh, what version you've got. And he gets himself to shore. He gets himself in that moment 
that this time Jesus is stood with the fire. Peter is also stood with the fire and he realizes that this is his saviour. And he gets it and he grasps it. And we know the story goes on and Jesus has the moment with Peter that Peter so desperately needs. But in the first instance, his reaction tells me that, you know what? How many times do we get into that position where we are running the opposite direction? You know, so many times we have these moments where life just gets too much. It's not just me, is it? Where life just gets too much and I just need a breather. I need to go back to my default position. I need to do and feel and get to somewhere that's comfortable, that's familiar. And when everything is just too much. There are two ways to react. Peter could have jumped in the boat and swam in the opposite direction. He could have jumped out and gone, do you know what, I, I can't do this. Or he jumps in the water and he makes sure he's the first one to the shore to see Jesus. You know, we have a good reason so many times to question what we do and why we do it. And I'm talking about you in your own heart. Lord, what am I doing? Where am I going? What is happening? Because as life does take hold, so often our default position can be things that we know are also not profitable, are not good for who we are, are not good for who we now are, for who God has called us to be. You know, whether it be that cheeky cigarette, whether it be a tickle of that strong stuff that, you know, nobody else knows about, whether it be that little dabble on the horses, whether it be something that just puts you in a position where you know you're compromised. And so often we can find ourselves making silly mistakes in a position where we have a God who loves us so much. The Bible tells us we run in the opposite direction, yet he pursues us. You know, Jesus stood on the seashore. He had a conversation with his disciples who were on the boat. And he knows, and they know, that's our Lord. Where is the best place for me to be, Peter, has this moment? Where is the best place for me to be? It's on the shore with Jesus, isn't it? Amen? It's on the shore with Jesus. And Jesus loves him. So much so, as we see in the next passage that Jesus has this conversation with him and Peter doesn't yet realize or understand even what this agape love is, this God-given unconditional love because he's yet to receive the Holy Spirit. And as we start to understand the scripture, we start to see that Jesus is having a conversation with him that says, Peter, you're going to get this in, in a big way. You're going to get this and you're going to understand what it is to love. You're going to understand what it is to know, if, if even possible, this side of glory, how much God loves us. 
Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, it's verses that we've already quoted over the past few weeks. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He's saying to Peter, trust me. Trust me. I love you. Trust me. Just let's get on with it, Peter. Don't worry about the default position. I have called you to be who I've called you to be. And trust me, I've got it. Trust me, I love you enough. So much so that Peter, in his understanding and his knowledge then, as he grows in wisdom and as the Lord leads him, 1 Peter 3, verse 7, he says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That takes some writing. That takes a heck of a lot of living. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Peter wasn't just spinning a a, a nice book for us to read. What he was doing was telling fundamental truths that he'd had to learn, and he'd learned the hard way. Don't think he hadn't. Don't think when you read through the scriptures, they're fluffy stories. There's reality. There are real people in real situations and circumstances where they are desperate. And Peter grasps it. He says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Is it too big for God? No. The opposite. Is it too small for God? Absolutely not. Does he care about it all? You bet he does. How hard is that to live though, eh? How hard is that to live? Peter speaks from experience. He knows what it is to doubt and to worry. Don't think you're the only one. Don't think you're the only person that said, God, if you are real, just some help. That's scary. Somebody said that from the front. Ah, I thought that was just you. No, it's all of us. We all have those moments where we doubt and we worry and we fear. And church, let's be honest, we can fail. But Peter also knows that God will always pursue him. Because when we are his, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He won't ever let us go. And aren't we grateful for that? I guess the question is, are we running? Have we reset to our default? Jesus is calling from the shore. And there are times when we might run. There are times when we might swim. There are times when we might have to commando crawl. But you know the best place to be is on the shore with our Saviour. There is no other place. No other place where we'll find that unconditional love. There's no other place where we'll find that healing that we require. There is no other place where love knows no bounds but safe in our Saviour's arms. Amen? I'm probably preaching to myself this morning. (laughs) But as amazing as the miracle is, Jesus is already in this moment. The disciples have thrown the net on the other side. They've got a huge haul of fish. Incredibly, Jesus is on the shore with a coal fire, fish and bread cooking away. You would, wouldn't you? He's on the shore and he's doing what needs to be done. And the amazing thing here, and this is the lesson for you and me this morning, that we have a job to do that that the Lord has set us on a path for. But what do we have to do? We have to go to Jesus to get fed before we can feed others. And that's exactly what Jesus does here with his disciples. He says, come to me, let's eat, let's share, let's learn, let's grow. 
And then from this moment, you're going to go out and do. But first, church, he tells us that we have to come to him to feed, to learn, and to understand what he's got for us. You know, these men were about to go fishing for people. It's everything that they've been called to do. It's everything that their lives had been over the past few years. And Jesus had set them apart in order to go and start the church as we now know it today. But first, they had to be with him. They needed to see God's provision, didn't they? How often do we need to see that? Lord, I'm just going to need to see something because I'm not sure my fate's quite enough here. They needed to understand that they weren't alone. And as we have the privilege and joy as New Testament Christians, we have the joy of the complete canon of Scripture. We get to see that God's got it in control. We get to see that he's provided for us. We get to see that he's the Alpha and the Omega. And God wasn't about to leave them to it, same as he's not going to leave you to it. And he's not going to leave me to it. We're not on our own here, church, are we? I'm sure all, all of us who know Jesus, that in some way or another, we've experienced moments where everything just seems cloudy. And the only realization from that is that I, I can't find another is that we're human. I can't find another. It, it, we're all the same, aren't we? There is no other um, way out from that. Things don't always add up, even when things are going great sometimes. It's still cloudy. Anybody else experience that? You know, everything's fine, yet I'm just not. Something's not. I don't know what it is. We are human beings. And the amazing thing is that in this moment, we get to see that Jesus does indeed understand. Today may be a miracle or may be the miracle that you're looking for, this very portion of scripture that says he has got it. Maybe this morning, you're just desperate to hear his voice and he's saying to you from the shore, have you caught anything? H have you caught anything? Not at the minute, no. <laughs> he says, well, Throw your net on the other side. Maybe we need to just jump in the water. Maybe we need to just swim to Jesus. Maybe we just need to understand that he is in control. Peter throws his coat around him and he jumps in. And we've seen and heard over the past few weeks some amazing miracles. And the word of God is incredible as it shows us as Jesus went about his ministry, at how he affected lives, how he affected people, and how he changed the atmosphere. But we, do, we are here, aren't we? Because we know and we understand the very greatest miracle. That God sent his son for you and for me. The greatest miracle is that we have the opportunity at life. The Bible tells us that God loved the world so much that he gave his best for you and me. So that as we've put our faith and our trust in him, that we're not going to go to an everlasting uh, place without God, but rather we're going to spend eternity with him. 
We're going to spend eternity in glory with our Saviour. Is that not a miracle? When you look at your own life, you realise in the boat there are no fish and I've got nothing left to offer. Here I am, desperate, on my knees, needing something. And God says, I love you. And I mean, he says, I love you. I love you. I've got you. You know, the word of God tells us that if we put our faith and our trust in him, we have life and life eternal. And we're here this morning as testimony to that fact. And if you don't yet know Jesus as your own personal saviour, may you hear him from the shore this morning. He is calling your name. What are you going to do about it? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning that over the past few weeks we've had the opportunity to see the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ as he went about his ministry here on planet Earth. Father, we're so grateful that he knows and he understands. We're so grateful that you love us enough to send your very best for us. Father, may we grasp, may we take it to heart all that you have laid out for us. May we understand this morning that we are loved beyond measure. And Father God, we see that manifest also on planet Earth in some form by the love of a mom to their children. And Father, I guess if we see a human relationship, that's about as close as it gets to knowing how much you love us. But Father God, this morning we are overwhelmed by the love that you've shown to us, a love that knows no bounds, a love that was willing to send your son, the Lord Jesus, to that cross to take away our sin and our shame, to deal with it there, Lord, once and for all, and to conquer death. This is how we know what love is, that Christ died for us. Father, this morning we just give you all the praise and all the glory And as we just worship together, as we close, as we share uh, some treats together, may you just bless us this day. May we uh, be able to just bring um, our thanks to those that have loved us and that care for us, those that have brought us up. And Father, too, may we just remember that we have a Heavenly Father who loves us beyond measure. Bless us, Father, we pray. For we ask these prayers in Jesus' name. This has been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk.